Who won the middle school spelling bee? Kinks? There are so many of them. Of course, drugs. Yes. Technical blah blah blah. Tell me how to spell. Put opium in the tea. Mmm, look at the Cinnabon. <laughs> One throne. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Two Bards, One Throne. My name is Corbin Slack. And I'm Sean Britton. And this is the podcast that brings news, casual conversation, and mindless ramblings together. So today we have a couple interesting topics. None of them are related whatsoever. As uh, usual. So, yeah, so basically this podcast is going to be a culmination of several different random thoughts that we've had in the last hour. Mm-hmm. Just because our weeks have been so busy and I know that any of you listening are so busy as well, so that is why uh, we want to take the opportunity to thank you for taking the chance to listen to this, whether you're driving, chilling out, studying, doing homework, or sitting, staring at a Bluetooth speaker, listening to us. Staring um, into the void you. is an absolutely valid option for what to do in these, these fucking times. Actually, I absolutely. was re-listening to a couple episodes because it occurred to me that I don't actually know how the final products sound. And the amount of optimism that we approached this summer, like as far as getting things back to normal, is adorable in hindsight. Oh, yeah. It's cute. We were so wrong. <laughs> and well, we, are, we are leaps and browns. But, yeah. <sighs> Leaps and bounds more depressed at the moment than it's oh, uh, for sure. Well, earned. here's the thing mm-hmm. I wouldn't take it back for the world. Oh, god, no. I, th- I think I've grown a lot in the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. Like, I am indistinguishable, excuse me, indistinguishable from the person that I was before, for yes. sure. Same here. And even outside of that, blind optimism is one of the best feelings that the human body can experience. So it's it's fun to uh, fun to experience that. It's a good time. Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I've been doing something that I used to loathe, oh, and that is reading. Your taxes? Oh. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, reading. And I know I talked a little bit about it in the last episode. I've been reading a lot, and I've also been listening to audiobooks and basically just filling my brain with positivity and things to help myself. Mm-hmm. And it's had a profound effect on my life. And right now what I'm reading this week is a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, in case mm-hmm. anybody uh, wants a book recommendation. Uh, but last week and the week before, I listened to an audiobook of The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, which is also very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but just those little subtleties that I've changed in my daily habits and my routines, so nice, so refreshing, and I can tell a definite difference in myself, and it used to be like my life kind of revolved around whatever my work schedule was, whatever other people had planned for me, but now it feels like I'm actually in control of every second that I have in my life, and it's it's so awesome and it's so so freeing, really. Um, oh yeah, good for you. I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. But I'm also really proud of where this podcast has gone. I'm proud of kind of how we've still been able to make it happen and been able to structure it. I know there was a. Some tough times there where we really weren't putting out episodes consistently, and we were kind of lacking on that front. 
but I'm glad we kind of got it together, and uh, we're definitely doing something very consistent now, and oh, yeah. I have uh, s several plans that I know uh, some of them I've talked to you about, and some of them I'm still kind of in the works of thinking about, uh, but one of those is <coughs> excuse me, uh, opening up a, uh, a Patreon platform mm. so that listeners uh, could offer suggestions and uh, just have some different access to us and who we are and have some different inputs in the show. And mm. uh, so that, that should be interesting once I kind of get a final plan for how that should be working out. Uh, we're going to be kind of bringing up our social media output uh, a lot in the next couple weeks. And as much as you can, recommend us to your friends, your family, uh, acquaintances if you want. I wouldn't yeah. because that might be weird. Uh, nah. but Why would that like, be weird? We're... I don't, don't want to jinx like... it. I, I hope we're entertaining. That's kind of the point of all of this, but like... Yeah, my <laughs> fingers crossed. We're entertaining, but is it in a good way? I would argue that entertainment is entertainment, and anyone who thinks otherwise can get stuffed. Hmm. Like, I don't think... I don't... Hmm. You know, I have a hard time grasping the idea of good and bad entertainment. Because if... If you're getting entertainment out of something, doesn't that mean it's inherently appealing? Like if it's entertaining, it's appealing in some way. It catches your attention. Yeah. That's not bad. Hmm. You offer a good point. Mm, uh, we might come back to that later. That's an interesting oh, yeah. point. But, no, mainly I think um, we've done a lot ever since... The those episodes, and regardless of the state of the world we live in now, and uh, kind of what's going on, certainly a state. Nobody, isn't it? <laughs> we live in a society. <clears throat> but uh, no, I think that I'm very proud of the men we've become and the mm -hmm. men that we're growing to be, and I'm happy to see that I've seen changes and other people too. Some of them not good, but um, there's certainly changes have, though. It's not stagnant. Yeah. Yeah, people have reacted in different ways and am I nervous about the state of kind of our country moving forward? Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. Do I see an end in sight? Yes, but it won't be for the foreseeable future, mm -hmm. uh, meaning less than five years. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I can't, <laughs> I can't predict the future. So here's what I suggest: mm -hmm. with everything going on outside and in the world, focus on what you can control, mm -hmm. and that's probably the best piece of advice I could ever give: control what you can control. I mean, it's not worrying about what other people say, what other people are doing. Be concerned with yourself and your actions and your thoughts and how you react. Because those are the things that you have control of. People can influence those decisions and those actions. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to take responsibility for those things. 
But moving forward, I do want to talk about. Uh, I got an ad today on my phone. Uh-huh. For, yeah, no, listen, for the United Space Force. Not gonna lie. I thought that that was something that we stopped like a year ago. No, no, it's it's a thing. The United States Space Force was an ad. And I can't remember exactly what it said, but I, I think it was some dude walking out and then just, like, looking at this rocket or looking at the sky. And it was, like, it was like see the world or something generic. Corbin, are you sure this wasn't a scam? No, I'm straight up. Are you sure and it wasn't a scam? I'm sure. And I was mm. like, huh, I didn't know that was a thing. Where do I sign up? So, the Space Force is a thing. But, the last thing that I heard about it was that it was a branch of the Air Force. Well, I would hope it wasn't a branch of, like, the Navy or the Coast Guard. I mean, that would be some pretty, pretty severe guarding of the coast. Yeah, (laughs) that would be a little... Little too much. Okay. Gosh, you gotta all see right. all so, of it at once. So, going on to the United States Space Force website, it looks like something that was made in 2005. Uh, however, in this website is spaceforce.mil. Oh. Uh, if you'd like to visit it, uh, but just taking a, a fresh live look at it, I haven't looked this up mm-hmm. before the episode or anything. Uh, taking a fresh look at it, this website could be a lot better. Um, oh my goodness. Okay, so about Space Force. About the United Space Space Force. Here's the about section. The U.S. Space Force, USSF, is the newest branch of the armed forces, established December 20th, 2019. With enactment of the Fiscal Year 2020 National Defense Authorization Act, the USSF was established within the Department of the Air Force, meaning the Secretary of the Air Force has overall responsibility for the USSF. Under the guidance and direction of the Secretary of Defense, additionally a four-star general known as the Chief of Space Operations, CSO, serves as a senior military member of the USSF, and is a member <laughs> of the on. Joint Chief of Staff. Time out. Someone want to explain to me what operations we're pulling off in space that are militant in nature? Well, are we here, fighting the asteroids? No, listen. Here was we're just uh, pl- we're playing Atari asteroids in real life at this. It point. was President Trump's. Uh, here's what he said about it. It uh-huh. was essentially like. He knew that technology was advancing, which is true. Yeah, fair. And that at some point, countries would be waging war in space. Mm-hmm. So this was his way of getting ahead of all of that. So does so, it make sense? Absolutely. Basically, dorks. Were we ready for it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I just... Uh... Oh, okay, so here's the funny thing. The Air Force website has a better Space Force section than the entire Space Force website. 
I mean, I'm not surprised. We don't even have the means to execute any space operations. Why would we expect them to have a good website yet? I mean, I guess, but here's the thing. You know what's so sad about the United States space programs now? The federal programs, anyway. Yeah, like NASA. Uh, yeah, NASA got delayed on several of their projects. God, again? And, yes, and Elon Musk tweeted at them and was like, Hey, yo, uh, SpaceX can do it if you need us. <laughs> Elon! The fact that private <laughs> space companies God. are, like, more available and ready to go and, like, okay. more advanced like, than our government programs, that's like, a problem. yeah, but also, what a dick move on the part of Elon Musk. Like, why you gotta rub... Like, I'm all for rubbing shit, like, rubbing the government's shortcomings in the face of the government, but that's, like, you're kicking someone that's been down for like 30 years while they're down oh yeah know? like i kind of feel bad for nasa at that point i mean you're being laughed at by a man who already looks like a martian <laughs> and named his child accordingly that is true yeah no <laughs> i'm sorry I, saw... I have nothing but seething hatred for anyone that has an accumulated wealth of more than like 500 million <laughs> But here's the thing. He's earned it. He's earned yeah, it. Yeah, kind of. He hasn't earned the sass, though. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the bit I that I don't appreciate. Has. Has... I think he has. I think... Listen, I think he's worked harder than anyone else, and I think he has failed so many times and gotten back up. He has certainly think... worked the hardest out of the current billionaires. I will give him that. Yeah, no, I think where he's at in life he deserves it he lives well below his means he lives in a fifty thousand dollar house right now mm -hmm. he lives well below his means and he's just constantly trying to advance and he, him being one of the richest guys on earth he doesn't care about the money anymore yeah he's got to keep money to stay <laughs> you know in business and all of that but he doesn't care about that anymore now. He's just seeing what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I do respect that. I just like making fun of him because it's fun, too. Now, Bezos, on the other hand, um, I really Bezos wish our... A... Yeah. <laughs> I, I would just like to say that I wish that our first, uh, our first act with the uh, United Space Force was to combat Jeff Bezos trying to re-enter the atmosphere. Interesting. <laughs> I... Uh, God, talk about someone being cocky. The shit that he said when he got back. What the fuck? He was basically talking. He was basically talking. Hang on, I'm gonna look up the exact quote. But from what I'm understanding, based on what he said, he would like to pollute the out. He would like to pollute outside our environment just as well as he uh, is already polluting the inside. Hang on, Jeff. That Bezos sounds like it's space pretty bad. Quote. Hang on a minute. I'm working on it. Ah! He said, quote, We need to take all heavy industry, all polluting industry, and move it to space. Hmm. Basically, let's pollute space. But can you pollute space? Yes. We've already been doing it. 
You do realize that, right? With all the junk, sp- yes. All the no, all the probes that get sent out just fucking vibe there. Like they they're no longer being used. They are just our trash floating out in the cosmos. Yeah, but here here's what I think. When I think pollution, of course I think like smoke and nasty stuff and chemicals. All the stuff is damaging the ozone layer. But in space, there's no oxygen, and there is really no ozone layer to protect or worry about. So in that way, I understand it. Still, I just... I can't. I can't get behind that. It's just... Even... Even if... Even if it wasn't Jeff Bezos saying it, which already puts me in a bad mood, I just, just the idea of us chucking our trash into space, that's, that's how we get Wally in real life. And as much as I want Wally in real life, I don't want that part of Wally in real life. True. That's, that's <sighs> exactly right. You're right. And I don't think that we should be leaving our trash in space. It's kind of like, when you have somebody stay at your place and then they leave their trash all over the the coffee table, right? Mm-hmm. That's not. Or cool. like when people make messes in public banquet halls and like concert stadiums. Yeah, just it's like, like you just made that mess because you expected that you wouldn't have to clean it up, and that's not cool. And like, unlike those situations. We don't know whether or not chucking our trash into space is going to come back to bite us in the ass in a major way. Probably will. Oh, most likely. Like, whether or not it, like, floats into the sun and fucks up that old bit. Or if some space aliens and some angry people from the cosmos come back and are like, Hey, um, y'all, what is this? We've been ignoring you for a reason and this is precisely it. Like, Here's... I feel like one way or another, that's just, that's a bad idea. Here's what I will say, is that, that NASA has a really good thing working for them. And part of that is due to the International Space Station. Yeah. No, the ISS is, like, genuinely one of the greatest feats of mankind and I don't think it'll be topped for a very, very long while. Oh, of course not. No. God, a completely neutral station that's just being serviced by multiple countries that kind of piss each other off back on Earth? Like, what the hell? That's amazing. And there's a live feed somewhere that NASA keeps up 24-7... So you can literally watch. And actually, you, the person who showed me this was my grandmother the other day. She pulled up this live feed of the International Space Station. And they were like, there was like three of them outside in their astronaut suits. And in they were... space! Yeah, and they were fixing stuff on the side of the... Uh, 
well, the space station. Yeah. And they were, like, picking up the camera, and she <laughs> said sometimes they have it in front of their face, and you can see through the glass and see their face and stuff. Oh. Yeah, and I, I just thought that, that was really cool. Um, and that's, that's something that we take for granted is that those things exist. Sites that we would likely never see otherwise we can see. Me. Also, I've made the executive decision. Um, anytime... <laughs> one of us says like in space you have to say it in a transatlantic accent like that's it's it's so much better T tell me which one's which one sounds better which one feels better to your ears it's it's a you know um they're 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 going on a on a diplomatic mission in space or uh, they're going on a diplomatic mission in space like, like, there's a clear, defined winner there. I don't know why Is the fuck... there? Yes, I don't know why we stopped using the transatlantic accent in film. Can you imagine Transformers with transatlantic accents? No. Oh, I want it. I want it so badly. That sounds like the funniest goddamn thing I can imagine. Because Optimus Prime with the, with the, the 50s movie accent. No, earlier than that. No, what it wait, when the fuck was the transatlantic accent popular? I should know this, I'm a theater person. Uh I need to fact check myself. Well, in the meantime, uh the I think one of the easiest ways I mean you can search NASA ISS live feed, uh but it, honestly if you just go to YouTube and look up NASA live stream Earth from Space live feed uh, you can pull it up, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, this just one view of it, uh, but I recommend looking at it like during the daytime, because uh, that's really cool as well. And they they tend to mainly have it up uh, during the day, because there's some periods I think where uh, certain parts that they're orbiting, uh, obviously there's no light, so it'll just be darkness. So if you can catch it at a good time, it's super super neat. Aha! Like, ha 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 ha! From the nineteen, <laughs> from the nineteen twenties to the nineteen sixties, I was right. Sorry, <laughs> I was correct. Ha ha ha. Anyway, I am. I apologize. What's up? No, I'm just. I'm looking in awe at this live stream. Oh, you're still watching it? Yeah. No, it's like it's mesmerizing. Mm -hmm. It is crazy. There's so much information that they put in the description, and then there's like a live chat that people are like talking about it. And there's only 300 people watching this right now. God. They've been live streaming it since August 31st, 2019. Oh. That is crazy. Uh, so, here's another thing that blows my mind. Astronauts in space, right? Mm -hmm. they, they eat those, those dry, packed meals. 
Yeah, freeze dry and all that. Yeah, at what point do you just start throwing those up? Like, those aren't good enough. What do you mean? Like, I just feel like I would get sick of those. Like, there would be a certain, like, after a year, I'd be like, all right, I can't fucking do this anymore. Well, do you do that with regular food, too, Corbin? Well, here's the thing. Not all of my food is freeze-dried. I know. What I'm saying is that do you do that with regular food? No, you get used to it, and then it's just your food. It's because I like it. But what if there's something that I don't, don't like? like it. Then you don't eat it. You order different shit. Problem solved. But how much different shit is there in the freeze-dried inventory? I a considerable amount. And not all of it's freeze-dried. A lot of the liquid stuff is just vacuum-sealed. It's just easier to preserve shit when it's freeze-dried. That's my I, understanding of it, anywho. I am concerned for the astronauts. Uh, okay, well, I, the internet is pretty awesome. I just found a website that has... Oh my god. You can buy freeze-dried astronaut foods. Yeah, I've eaten freeze-dried ice cream before. That's gross. It's no really not that bad. Three it's, years it's shelf like, life. It's like the, the, the texture of Lucky Charms marshmallows. Ew. Oh, I found, like, at the IGA in Aurora, they sell, like, containers of Lucky Charms marshmallows in the candy section. Nice. Why? Freeze-dried bananas. Mmm, that sounds, that sounds good. I would eat Freeze-dried cinnamon apples. Mmm. Freeze-dried peaches. I'm not hearing anything that I dislike here. Like, listen, this is... listen to this one. This uh, one will honestly make you excited. Yeah. Cookies and cream ice cream sandwiches. Tasty. Yeah, that that actually okay. It looks really good, but that wasn't that wasn't all of it. That was just ice cream and fruit. So this website is a lie. Ah. Uh, what bitches? But I, I mean, I get it. Sugar coating quite literally. I couldn't. I couldn't live off of like freeze dried. You stuff. never I don't know, know until you try, Corbin. Gotta try the freeze diet. Hmm. Give it a give it a good old go. I, don't know, I just feel like we definitely should have learned more about the International Space Station in school because it's really a phenomenal thing. What 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 is? I'm sorry. The International Space Station. What about it? We should have learned more about it. Oh, yeah. No, I feel like we are not taught nearly enough about cooperation between nations. Which, like, conflicts are important, because that's, in the end, what shapes the current fabric of the geopolitical climate. But I think it's equally important to learn about, like, what is going correctly and what is harmonious, especially as we get closer to the present. You know, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that I know more about the Armenian genocide 
than I do about the International Space Station when one of them happened a fucking while ago and one of them is currently happening. It's frustrating, to say the least. Oh, did you know that that's one of the clauses for Turkey joining the United Nations? Seriously? It's one of the reasons that Turkey isn't a member of the United Nations. They, they're required... If they want to join the United Nations, they're required to recognize the Armenian Genocide, and they refuse to do it. Hmm. That is both incredibly fucked up and kind of funny to me. Like, it's literally... Like, it's so fucked up because you destroyed an entire people... But you're just standing there like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> what? A genocide. Guys... Who the fuck killed the Armenians? When did they die? Like, it <laughs> totally wasn't us, you know? Like, <laughs> genocide what genocide? That's literally what they're doing. They're just like, genocide. What are you talking I... about, dog? <laughs> I don't see a genocide. Where? Literally sliding it under the rug, being what like, what? What the fuck? And then there's Rush over there like, yes... I've committed several war crimes. Numerous. <laughs> what a... But at least Russia has the balls to admit it. No oh, yeah. Me. Like, if you're gonna be the most villainous, disgusting thing in the entirety of humanity, fucking admit it and make reparations. Just because you are bad guy. Does not mean you are bad guy. It does not mean you have to stay bad guy. I mean, you'll still be bad guy, but you'll be on your way to not be bad in future. Let's see who can take a leaf out of Russia's boat with that. Russia's Russia and Germany's book with that. Uh, France, Turkey, China, the United States. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Keep going on the list. Uh, so oh, let me ask you, a you know, you know, funnily enough, <laughs> another, another fun thing, um, about, about that era, kind of, sort of, not really that era, one of the things that the Emperor of Japan had to do when they surrendered during World War II, because at that point, um, the Japanese, uh, people saw the Emperor as, like, not only, like, their emperor, but, like, like, I'm going to do a horrible job of describing this. Like, like, kind of godlike, in a way. And he had to go on national radio and be like, hey, guys, um, so I, I'm not attached to a higher power i'm just i'm just i'm just good old emperor guy emperor hirohito that's me sorry i'm not i'm not i'm not magic religious guy i'm just a guy and like that's kind of fucked up when you think about it you know the fact that like, people believed it or the fact no, that the he had to admit it the fact that the united states made him go on in front of his entire country and basically be like, yeah, so... Sorry. Not it. I, I don't kinda, think that's... I feel like I that's kind of fucked up. Not really. I mean... I mean, like, that's basically just crushing the spirit of an entire country. 
after you drop two of the most destructive weapons ever used in the history of humanity. And the only two on that list of destructive weapons that have been used to be attacking targets, like civilian targets. Yeah, but uh, there's some things that I've, well, maybe not found out, but heard over the years, like, uh, like the U.S. secretly sent all of the civilians in those cities, uh, like warnings. Prior, I have. Do not you know heard anything that. about the validity of that? Because uh, that's I have what I've heard. Never heard of that. Because if they did, it did not work. No, for sure. It didn't I work. do not. Or, be- I genuinely that or they didn't believe it. I don't. I don't believe that the United States would have done that. As much as that hurts to say, that doesn't sound like the United States, and that certainly does not sound like the United States during World War II. It does not. I mean, listen, we were the guys that, you know, used shotguns in enclosed spaces, which is fucked up on several levels. But, like, I... No, I genuinely cannot bring myself to be- to believe that. Okay, here it is. Here it is. So this is America's warning to the people of Hiroshima, dated August 1st, 1945. Mm. Uh, so, let me read this. Uh, on August 1st, 1945, five days before the bombing of Hiroshima, the U.S. Army Air Force dropped one million leaflets over Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and 33 other Japanese cities warning that those cities were going to be destroyed within a few days and advising the residents to leave to save their lives. One side of the leaflet had a photo of five U.S. bombers unloading bombs and a list of the targeted cities. The other side had the text. The English version of the leaflet is included in an article at the CIA, CIA, excuse me, the CIA website quoted the information war in the Pacific, 1945, end quote, by Josette H. Williams. OWI stands for Office of War Information. Front side of OWI notice number 2106 dubbed the LeMay bombing leaflet, which was delivered to Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and 33 other Japanese cities on August 1st, 1945, the Japanese text on the reverse side of the leaflet carried the following warning. Open quote. Read this carefully as it may save your life or the life of a relative or friend. In the next few days, some or all of the cities named on the reverse side will be destroyed by American bombs. These cities contain military installations and workshops or factories which produce military goods. We are determined to destroy all of the tools of the military clique which they are using to prolong this useless war. But unfortunately, bombs have no eyes. So in accordance with America's humanitarian policies, the American Air Force, which does not wish to injure innocent people, now gives you warning to evacuate the cities named and save your lives. America is not fighting the Japanese people but is fighting the military clique which, is, which has enslaved the Japanese people. 
The peace which America will bring will free the people from the oppression of the military clique and mean the emergence of a new and better Japan. You can restore peace by demanding new and good leaders who will end the war. We cannot promise that only these cities will be among those attacked, but some or all of them will be. So heed this warning and evacuate these cities immediately. End quote. You see, that was very different than what I thought you were saying. And that, that yes, that absolutely sounds correct. What I thought you were saying was that they specifically warned about the use of the atomic bomb. Oh, no. No, okay. no, no. Not the atomic bomb, but warned of an attack. Yeah. No, that's... Yes, that does sound... Yeah. Definitely that, yes. But, uh, no, I, I think it, it's definitely something that's not common information. Mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, it is messed up. I don't think... Okay, we should not have... Uh, done what we did absolutely but not it is a part of history and it, if we don't learn from history then we'll never get anywhere so i think it is important to uh basically understand you know some of the things that have happened always try to learn the full story of every big thing which that's something about World War Two. So fascinating to me is there's so many little stories like this and little things that just aren't common knowledge, and there's so much like in there, and it's a really macabre and kind of hard subject to read about and to think about. Yeah, it was a terrible time in history, but all of the lessons to be learned acknowledging that humans can be immensely evil more evil than we ever thought possible and yet peace can still be established uh, not the best way but peace there was for a time i was about to say i feel like there's a there's a pretty big argument for I don't want to say this. Okay. If you look at past, say, thousand years, no, past three hundred years, right? Yeah. If I had to guess and be liberal in my guess, we've maybe had a total of, like a grand total, of 15 years of world peace in the past 300 years. Somewhat. Don't forget about the Iraq war. Oh, I'm not. No, I'm considering the Iraq war. Anywhere between 10 and 15 total grand total out of the past 300 years if I had to hazard a guess we have had complete peace no armed conflicts in any period at any point on the globe 
and almost none of that has been since World War II. That is just the fact of the matter. I would argue that the atomic bomb did not work. If anything, it made things worse. That's that's pretty likely. Uh, at 2.45 a.m. on the 6th of August, the Allies' B-29, quoted, named Enola, Enola Gay, end quote, left the island of Timion near Saipan. Its primary target was Hiroshima, where the second Japanese army stood poised to defend against an allied invasion of their homeland. At 8.15 a.m., the Enola Gay destroyed Hiroshima with a single atomic bomb. Back on Saipan, the OWI presses were turning out leaflets that revealed the special nature of Hiroshima's destruction and predicted similar fates for more Japanese cities in the absence of immediate acceptance of the terms of the Potsdam Agreement. By the 9th of August, more than 5 million leaflets about the atom bomb had been released over major Japanese cities. The OWI radio station beamed a similar message to Japan every 15 minutes. So, we're getting into some really deep uh, details about the... Uh, the first atomic bomb where uh, and I'm getting all this information from amnation amnation.com uh and of course you should always fact check and should always uh make sure that everything is truly correct making sure it's on multiple uh credible websites and things yeah. like that but taking this website at face value of course, it's not a blog or anything like that. It's just straight information um, about what happened. Um, me looking at this uh, at face value, it is a brutal and unnecessary uh, action taken uh, in war. I do not think that nuclear bombs should ever be used in war. I think the U.S. made some serious uh, problems when they did that. I think they broke several laws of human nature, even. Not even just laws of war, but... Fuck the laws. Are you kidding me? We don't need laws to see how misguided and cruel the use of that weapon was. Well, here's my thing. is It says the Japanese army stood poised to defend against an allied invasion of their homeland. There's no defending against that. We, a few years after this, we decided... To end so many lives in Vietnam over what? But this was okay. This was okay. Japan, who 
we knew was nowhere. No one can defend, and no, especially there's at the no time, defense no, that. no one could World defend. War, World War Three will be endgame, because there is no defense against something like that. There's to, just ready to defend their homeland. There's nothing to defend, and the wor the most fucked up part about it is that they had no idea. That's why I was so incredulous when we, when you brought up the pamphlets and I that was the assumption that I made like the the nature of the pamphlet. They had no idea. After the, for the first one at the very least. Like we 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 think about it now and we we know how cruel and how fucked up all of it is. How fucked up it is that we have these weapons in the first place. They did not know. I don't give a shit about sides at that point. It's not about politics anymore. The second that you come up with a solution to a conflict that has no real defense other than them doing the exact same thing back to you? That's not about politics anymore. Because in the end, there's no politics to an attack that can't be defended. Because at that point, that's not even a conflict anymore. Because a conflict implies two sides meeting in the middle, battling it out until there's a winner. There's no fight there. Yeah, that wasn't war. There's no exchange. Yeah, I think you put it really, really well just now. That's not war. That's devastation. And it's reprehensible. It's barbaric, is what it is. It's inhuman. Uh, oh, for sure. And they wanted to drop more. There's something... <laughs> One of the generals, I, I want to say it was MacArthur, but I don't think that's right, was like, said something in the neighborhood of like using 50 bombs. 50. When one of them leveled an entire city. A giant fucking city. They essentially wanted to destroy Japan. And these were tiny. Like, okay, so I did a project my freshman year of college. Um, it was an open-ended project. We had to pick a period of history and make a diorama about it. So I was like, okay. I did the Manhattan Project as my final history project my senior year. I'll look at the development of hydrogen and atomic bombs post-World War II. And what I ended up doing was building a diorama of the scaled sizes of the mushroom clouds of different significant bomb tests. So the largest, I'm going to look up the exact specs because I don't remember them off the top of my head. I've tried to expunge this shit from my brain because I, it makes me hate humanity even more than I already do. Um, the largest nuclear warhead ever detonated. I don't think it's the largest one ever made, but it's definitely the largest ever detonated was the Tsar Bomba. Tsar Bomba. Good name Ivan or Vanya. It was 
made by the USSR. Um, its blast yield was 58 megatons of TNT. Megatons. Like, if you know the difference between a byte and a megabyte, you know the difference between a ton and a megaton. Got 58 of those. This a thing was 27,000 kilograms. The plane that dropped the bomb before it was remotely detonated, before it even hit the ground, it was detonated in the air, was like two miles out. And when the shockwave hit the plane, it dropped half a mile out of the air. The pilots on the two planes that went out to oversee the test launch were given a 50% chance of survival from two miles outside, like two miles away from ground zero. 50%! The scale size of Hiroshima and Nagasaki's bombs were like the top of my foot. Tsar Bomba was at my hip. The Hiroshima bomb in particular uh, obviously killed tiny, killed thousands of military and civilian people. Hard to imagine what a bomb that size could have done. Uh, but looking at Hiroshima nowadays, for years, ground, air, and living organisms in this area, and all this information following comes from ChernobylGuide.com. That's ChernobylGuide.com. For years, ground, air, and living organisms in this area still carry that radionuclide, which negatively influences the environment. Furthermore, such attacks seriously damaged the overall world's environment. And many researchers note Hiroshima and Nagasaki blast as reasons of global warming and ozone hole formation. Just... fact that I need to look up the number again because I don't remember it. So, but the United States has way too many warheads. Currently. I can promise still you have. companies like Russia have more. Oh, Russia's the only one that has more than the United States. I know that much. We have lost nuclear warheads. <laughs> The United States has something in the neighborhood of 23 nuclear warheads that they cannot account for. How the fuck do you lose a nuclear warhead? Like, it's that, it's shit like that. We've literally seen bombs that, compared to the warheads that we have, are fucking tiny. Level entire cities. And we lost a couple? You want to talk about when it rains, it pours. I'm sorry, I'm going back to this. I'm still reading this article here. Oh, a month fine. after the nuclear bomb explosion, Hiroshima was severely attacked with a typhoon, which ruined almost half of the bridge God. in the area. 
and caused further damages to the bombed city, which suffered from extremely high radiation levels and malnutrition. So not all... <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, this is one of the situations where it's so sad. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Uh... So not only did Hiroshima get its vibe checked by a nuclear bomb, <laughs> a typhoon came down and said, all right, whatever's left, I'm uh-huh. finishing it. All right. so okay, here's here's is... here's uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Hang on, Hiroshima... I, would like to, I would like to do something real quick because I need to answer the question that I... So this is from Statista.com. It's a statistics website. It's where I get pretty much every statistic I've brought up on this podcast. Um, As of January 2021, there is a worldwide total of 13,080 nuclear warheads. Russia is in first place with 6,255 of them. The United States has 5,550. And in third place is China with 350. There is a 5,200 warhead difference between the second and third on this list. But here's the thing. That list doesn't account for the unaccounted for, the countries and the terrorist organizations that may have things built. It does take into account North Korea with a big-ass asterisk. Uh, North Korea has an estimated number of 40. But it's still, like... That's so... 13,000? That, like you said, those are just the ones that are accounted for and logged. 13,000... Are you kidding me? A tenth of that would level half the planet. If not more. But we have 13,000? Especially since there's a big speech made at the very end of World War II by the sitting United States president about how we should never see the effects of nuclear war again. But here we are, sitting pretty almost a hundred years later. It's going to be 80 years since the end of World War II in 2025. And here we are with 13,080 nuclear warheads. There is no fucking excuse for that. We saw what we saw what they're fucking capable of. And we made so many more. It's fucking seriously? I don't know. I am This is another one of those topics that's just working me the fuck up. I just, I cannot fathom. I I don't understand. It's such gross negligence of the worth of humankind. 
this that's not and people will talk all day about how it's a just in case just in case fucking what that many bombs could destroy the earth there, easily there's no point are you kidding me just in case what that's the ultimate that's, there's there is no situation none none not this is not debatable there is no situation that would ever justify using any of them. And we have 13,000. God, I just... I can't. I cannot understand. And I probably will never understand. And I'm fine with that, because honestly... I don't want to understand. This is one of very few things that I am comfortable never understanding. I do not want to understand what it takes to have this much disregard for the rest of humanity. That you're willing to put your own politics ahead of not only the survival of other human beings that oppose your politics, but in the end, with this amount of fucking destructive power the survival of everyone that still subscribes to your politics the fact that you're willing to not only destroy everyone opposed to you but everyone behind you based on your politics and your beliefs is not something that I want to understand I, I don't. That's just... It's cruel. That's what this comes down to. It is monstrous. Well, here, to kind of lighten up what we've been talking about, Please. I do want to talk about uh, kind of what Hiroshima is like today. So the first target of of the atom bombs. Uh, what is Hiroshima like today? Unfortunately enough, uh, Hiroshima was able to be rebuilt and is a popular tourist destination nowadays. And there are airlines and buses and uh, trains and it's a, a very high-tech developed city. And it's it has a bunch of skyscrapers and colleges and universities, parks and highways and over a million people successfully live there. People go there for business, and it it works. The city is alive and functional, and doing everything they can. And from the architectural point of view, according to this website, it's fair to say that the Japanese were precise enough to rebuild certain meaningful buildings which were almost completely destroyed by the bomb blast. Good. For instance, they managed to restore the Urakami Cathedral, since after the explosion, only its south face was left standing. The Prefectural Industrial Promotion Hall was also restored. And today, there is a museum called the A-Bomb Dome. It is one of the most recognizable Hiroshima sites today. 
In Hiroshima, there's also many parks and resorts, uh, many nature reserves, and actually the trees, which were which got a dose of radiation, but they managed to survive. They're considered national monuments, and they ha even have special plates on them. And in Hiroshima, there is an annual flower fest. And in the art museums, there are works of art which depict beauty of the local nature. So, this is one of the important lessons of history. And taking literal bad, literally the worst lemons that Hiroshima could have gotten, like rotten, poopy, disgusting, virus-infected, gross lemons, somehow, some way, through cooperation and culture, they made lemonade. They did it, and they... They have a thriving city now, and they have importance and appreciation for the nature around them. And I think the world learned a lesson. Something, something like the A-bomb is not something to be played around with. So, there is positivity in the negatives. Uh... However, what would Hiroshima have been like had it not had to rebuild in the first place? You know, I think that's a I think that's a very valid question. I think, kind of, where would they be? Because, here's the thing, uh, I think the United States back at the time was worried about these smaller countries, like Japan, that were increasing rapidly and their knowledge of technology and weapons and oh, so kind of like how the united states did right they didn't want anyone to be better than them yeah i mean has, have, has anything really changed in that regard no not really but now it's it's more frowned upon <laughs> for us to act out about it because mm -hmm. now we have more internal problems now there's more mistrust of the government. Yeah. For obvious reasons, for reasons like this. There's more problems and dissent within the baby boomer generation. There's a, a, here's the thing. Before the baby boomer generation, there was a generation of the World War I uh, babies. And they grew up during the kind of Great Depression era. Now, when you think about this real deeply, it, it'll, when I explain this, it'll make sense. The babies of World War I that came uh, out of that grew up during the Great Depression. During the Great Depression, people learned to cooperate, to help each other, to make ends meet, to not let any of their team or their friends or their family go without. Twenty Over 25% of the nation was unemployed at the time, and thousands lost their jobs. It was such a terrible time, and all of it happened suddenly. 
after the Roaring Twenties and Black Wall Street. I believe it was, I believe it was called Black Wall Street, or no, not Black Wall Street. It was uh, Black Friday. No, 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 not Black Friday. Hold I up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. You know what? You know what I'm talking about. What is it? What is it? It's, uh, <laughs> let me look this up. I'm blanking on it now. I, I, I'm sorry. I completely lost track of the conversation the second you Black mentioned Tuesday. Black Friday. There you go. Black okay. Tuesday. I am Got sorry. There. Yes, no, Black Tuesday. Fine. So when we think about the 1920s, you got to remember that the economy at the time people were earning a lot in the united states this is the time when electric refrigerators were starting to come out and the radios were starting to be a big deal for a certain point in time there was only one radio station across the entire united states and during the roaring 20s there were over 560 radio stations available to the public and there was a radio station or there was a radio in just about every single home yeah. People had more money to spend on luxurious things and people had money to spend on things that they didn't have before. Then Black tu Black Tuesday came and the critical imbalance of the stock market balanced itself out. Leveled the economy of the United States and through the Great Depression, as I said, people learned what it meant to be selfless and to take care of each other. Now, fast forward to World War II, the baby boom. The baby boom added over 70 million Americans to the population. Added a significant percentage jump in the population yeah. right after World War II. Why was this? This is because World War II wasn't just the soldiers that were going to fight in the war. Almost everyone knew someone, especially someone close to them, that was fighting in the war. More parents than ever were sending their children and their sons off to fight in the war. And if people couldn't go or they wanted different ways to participate, they could buy war bonds. And if they couldn't do that, they could plant victory gardens and donate crops and food to help with war rations. And everyone felt like they were a part of the war effort to stop the terrible things that were happening. Yeah. Everyone was a part of it. So when those soldiers came back, parties and celebrations and parades were held to celebrate the success of a nation that had won a war. After this happened, the baby boom came, and the baby boomers did what every generation has done to the prior generation before them. They rebelled. The baby boomers kind of had it easy. Uh, coming off of a generation that was very helpful and supportive and lifted them up, they rebelled. You think about this in terms of the 1970s and 80s when people were looking to determine more their individuality and who they were. So they decided to 
be kind of selfish and kind of really take into consideration how to take care of themselves, not anyone else. And if you're following along here, let's kind of think about that time. Baby boomers would have been around 20 or 30 in the 1980s since the baby boomer generation stopped sometime in the mid-1960s. Yeah. Fast forward to today. What are the ages of most of the politicians that we have in our government? Right at that age. <laughs> They're coming along. There is a significant translation and how we as a country have aligned these generations and how they how their thoughts have changed the way that we think about each other the people that are in office nowadays are a generation who grew up being selfish and grew up only knowing how to take care of themselves i'm not saying that every single person in the government is selfish what I'm saying is that the, that's the only thing they knew for the longest time. So how far away can they actually get from where they came? I just think that we as a nation and we as young people, especially, and even as the older generation, need to start changing the narrative. Start changing what the consensus is on taking care of each other. Way back in the day, during the... Uh, Roman Wars and the Spartans and all of that. As a Roman army, the shield was a soldier's greatest prized possession in war and during battle. The shield was the one thing that the soldier could not drop in battle. It was seen as disgusting and it was punishable by death in some cases. You could lose your helmet or your breastplate with no penalty, but if you lost your shield, it meant almost certain death or, or exile. Why was this? Well, to the Roman army, your shield was not to defend you. It was to protect your team. It was to protect your army and your unit and the men surrounding you. Because when thinking in a team mindset when everyone is lifting everyone up that's when success happens not when everybody is selfishly trying to lift themselves up or survive on their own everyone would get stabbed in the back if that was the case the shield is the greatest asset taking care of each other is our greatest asset our humility is our greatest asset Learn the lessons from the history that has already been played out. We as a nation, we as a people, have a duty to be better than the generations before us. We have a duty every single day to wake up and be better than the people that we were the day before. So I just think that we have a lot to learn. But we also have a lot to do. So that that's really what I have to say about it. 
I know that we talked a lot about World War II, and I know we definitely didn't intend on oh, doing absolutely that. not. But I guess the way that I can close this out right now is, uh, you know, it's like he said, all we've got is learning from what we've done in the past and trying to cooperate. And, you know, looking at climate change and our conflict, we do not have much time. But we do have time. You know what I mean? Like, we not we may not have much of it, but we've still got time to change the shit that we need to change. So... We absolutely should not wait until the moment where we go, we don't have time for this anymore. Get out there. Campaign. Speak your mind. Stand up for what you believe in. Stand up for the rest of the human race. And even if it isn't that. That's all that we can do. Be human. Mm-hmm. Be human. Do you know how rare it is nowadays for you to go into work every day and be happy and be motivated and try to make everyone's lives around you better? And people see that as some crazy thing. And, oh, he's so nice. He is so sweet. He is so caring. He is so supportive. Why is that anything new? Why is that anything that isn't the the normal we are better than that so here here's what you can do if you're not the type of person or you don't have the platform to speak up and publicize and campaign and, and do all of those things that's fine but let me tell you something as with anything in life if you want things to change it's not going to be a one day overnight thing it's going to be you taking the smallest steps every single day, making small changes in your life, how you act, how you react, how you talk to people, and how you think about yourself and how you think about the world around you. That's what's going to change the world. Because I tell you what, you want to change the world. But unless you do something about it, no one else around you is going to want to change the world either. It is your job, and it is my job, and it is everyone else's job to be different. To do different than the masses. To do our part to protect our humanity and to protect the earth. To not be selfish. Does that mean don't be successful because that's being selfish no absolutely not we have the tools to be successful just as i talked about in the last episode but let me tell you something just like i said in the last episode if that's your goal make sure it's for a good reason don't get rich to get rich get rich to be financially free and to help others because if we don't help each other, what's that going to do for the world we leave behind? And I know people will say, well, who cares? I'll be dead by then. Your kids That's not won't. what this is about. And the That's kid, not and what this is about. if you don't have kids, the kids that you will care about will be there too. 
Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. It's not about you. I want you to put yourself... Oh, damn it. Come and on. Someone else about what would happen... What would happen if you were to leave the world in such a condition that that was the world that you grew up in? How would you feel? You just... You cannot ever lose track of the fact that everybody else is just as human as you are. The second we as a society lose track of that, lose sight of that idea, that truth, that's it. There's no real coming back for that. We've got to remember that. Yes, prosper for yourself, for the people that you care about, and for the world at large, but you cannot forget about the fact that you are not the only person that is human. Otherwise, we're going to keep making the same mistakes. That's right. That's right. Well, with that said, I mean, wonderfully said, John, I think that you made a, a great point, and I think that is uh, the perfect place for us to kind of conclude where we were headed tonight. Yeah. And basically, my final recommendation to you as the listener is to uh, check out the book called The Traveler's Gift. I believe... Let me check on the artist of that. The Traveler's Gift. Also, check out... Fish Food by Ben and Jerry's. It's fucking delicious. I've been nomming on it all episode. It's like the perfect comfort food. <laughs> anyway, this book called The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. Andy Andrews. I uh, couldn't recommend this book enough. This book is not really just a self-help book, so to speak. It's not just a personal success book. It is is a lot of things. It's really whatever you see it to be. There are so many valuable, valuable lessons to learn from this book. And actually one of the first kind of subjects that it... And it's a fictional story, but it has a lot of non-fictional lessons to be learned, if that makes sense. And I really can't explain it any more than that without kind of spoiling it so please check it out whether it's an audiobook or you pick it up from your library the traveler's gift by andy andrews the first uh subject as i said in there is about kind of what we talked about tonight talks about um what was his name uh i'm blanking on it right harry truman Harry Truman. Yeah, and the man. It talks about, well, kind of. Harry Truman was one of the people that signed off on sending the atomic bombs. Yes, he was. So, it that is one of the people that is highlighted in this book. And I think it is a very valuable read. So, if you want to take some of the first steps into kind of, and look, the best way I can describe this book is to slap in the face and the pat on the back at the same time and it's the most eye-opening experience that you'll probably have for a while it's 
pretty amazing. And I couldn't recommend it enough. And that's all I'll say about it is go check it out. The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. With that, I don't have anything else left to say. Sean? Yeah, no. That's about it. Um, Just, for fuck's sake, be good people. Please. I'll be sad if you aren't. <laughs> That's about all I got. Just like... No, just... You know, your time here is limited. So stop being a fucking dick. And use it to be a force of good. For not only yourself, but the people around you. That's it. That's just like... If you're not working to improve the world that you live in, you know, what's the point of being here, I guess? That is a great point, and that is a great closing note. I want to thank everybody for listening today. This is episode 15 of Two Bards, One Throne. Thank you so much for hanging on to this crazy wild ride we have going Like I said, we have a lot of great things coming. Stay along for the ride. Thank you for listening. Take care of each other. And take care of yourself. I wish you all the best. My name is Corbin Slack. And I'm Sean Britton. And this has been Two Bards, One Throne. Have a good night, y'all. Two bards, one throne.